0: Hey everyone, this is Dave Benichetti from YT. You're listening to Middle Age Metal
1: Heads. Turn it up. Hi, close the blinds, turn the lights way down, and turn the volume up. It's Saturday night, time to rock.
2: Good evening, Headbangers.
0: Welcome to the ball. I'm your gracious host, Ace Frehley, with my bass player, John Regan. Tonight,
1: videos will be played from Metal Church, ACDC, Aerosmith, and more. Plus, we have a new metal group stopping by tonight to chat. They call themselves Halloween. Woo! Yeah, let's kick it off tonight with last week's host of the Headbangers Ball. Rock and roll!
3: Welcome to another episode of Middle-Aged Metalheads. My name is David Timoney. I'm here with Colin Bosler. John Harden and Michael Stamps recently returned from his trip in South Africa. We here at Middle-Aged Metalheads like to sit and talk about growing up and growing old, listening to metal, becoming... Rebels in the mainstream, as we have jobs and wives and lives and things that you don't want to hear anything about. Tonight, we are going to talk about. I can see the excitement in your eyes the year 1987. So, woe to you, O Earth and Sea. Uh, (laughs) 1987 who's got the background on this i was 15 and some of this history rings a bell with me and some of it you guys know way better than i do so who, who's gonna who's gonna kick us off hard and you were already talking about some of this history stuff so why don't you grab it
0: well i i think uh 87 i remember pretty fondly i was 16 and in 87 to me 87 feels like the year where uh metal was everywhere. And the charts sort of agree with that, and they sort of don't. But some of the things that were happening in 87, uh, Reagan and Gorbachev met at the White House. The movies that were popular that year were La Bamba, Full Metal Jacket, and Nightmare on Elm Street. And any of our listeners that Mike and I grew up with have seen La Bamba likely more than any other movie on Earth. Uh, It was filmed in our hometown, and uh, I, I love the movie, but I have seen it a lot Uh, Cosby Show and Roseanne were the top of television Now disgraced, both of them Good looking out, 1987 (laughs) Uh, The stock market dropped 22.6% in a single day Not unlike this week Uh, The FDA approved AZT And the Fox network started on TV Three days a week, I believe it was when it started Wow. Maybe, maybe yeah Yeah,
3: La Bamba, dude, that was huge. I, I freaking mean, loved. Sure. The, the, La Bamba like a
0: fucking good movie. I mean, well, I, was, I was telling you guys offline that Mike and I grew up in Hollister, California, or at least Mike moved to Hollister, California, and a very good friend of ours, Anawak Valdez, his dad directed La Bamba. And the first maybe 20 minutes of the film were filmed right where we grew up, Bob on his motorcycle was like riding literally right by where I lived towards the end of high school, and uh, Richie's mom working in the apricot fields were right over by where Mike's house was. It was very much a homegrown film, and on top of that, what felt like sixty to seventy percent of our hometown said they were related to Richie Valens. So (laughs) when the movie opened, uh, we showed it for I. How long, Mike? Six months? Like, I, it, and, I mean, we I think only was, had one screen at our movie theater, and we were playing one movie for uh, maybe more than six months,
2: but it was and, still and, popular. And what was the admission to get into the Granada, too, that kind of boosted Five ticket sales? Dollars. I think no. It, went, it was like 50 cents at that point, wasn't it? No. Were they doing no. 50 cents
3: 50 that that for
2: matinees.
3: Nah. That's now. They still show La Bamba 50 cents to get in. I'd it pay was, it. uh La sick. Yeah, it's it was sick.
2: a crowd pleaser. It is. Bamba, there you La go. La
3: Welcome back to the metal show, everyone. <laughs> Hope you like La Bomba. Hey. I just remember learning like it, like it was on heavy rotation at M T V the Los Lobos version of La Bamba, and it was really good. It had that like uh, that like authentic Mexicali sound outro, you know, where they, they bust out the traditional oh, instruments. Yeah, it yeah. was cool, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's good. Uh, the the whole album's good. Los Lobos redid Richie's songs. Uh Come On Let's Go and Donna. Was the uh, was the big really bopper good. in the movie? The big no. bopper is in the movie. Yeah, he is. <laughs>
2: they they we all played the love. Who we played, played the
0: big <sighs> fuck, I don't know. It's our John, second
2: it should be John good.
1: Second week, week in second a row.
2: Second reference in these That's these right. Old we, got you, here. we
1: got you. big bopper. We
2: really? got you. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me uh, see. I think Marshall Crenshaw played Buddy Holly, and let's see, mm, that's all I remember.
3: Hey, Rick Dees was in this. Brian Setzer played Eddie Cochran.
2: There you go. Yep.
3: Yeah. Cool. Steven oh, wait here
2: we go.
0: Stephen
3: Lee. Who's Stephen Lee?
2: Don't know.
1: Oh,
3: for geez, those of you waiting
0: for
1: the metal part of our
3: episode, that we'll start guy. In about
0: five oh, right. minutes. that guy. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get. Let's get, to get back. Let's An get alarm to will the sound. and so, oh, We're ready to talk uh, about metal. So let's talk about music in 1987. The biggest album that year was the Joshua Tree, um, which sold 13 million copies, uh, which is a lot, a a lot of records. In I mean, right in this day and age in music, it would be impossible Uh, that day in music. It was still almost impossible. Uh, They were they were the biggest band on earth uh followed quickly behind i think by bon jovi until hysteria came out later that year and we'll we'll get to that <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
0: we will get to that as long as there's a colin bosler we will get to that that is absolutely
3: correct john that's in right West virginia there is bon jovi <laughs>
0: <laughs> what else was uh, that, happening
2: th- in 87 well, i think the the other big thing that uh, kind of ties in with uh the sort of the mainstreaming of metal here is, uh, you know, the debut of Headbangers Ball on MTV. And MTV had had previously, uh, uh, you know, introduced shows that had like 30-minute or one-minute or one-hour formats that uh, gave you either once a week little quick shots or afternoon shots of the top heavy metal. But Headbangers Ball would go on and be like an institution Saturday nights uh, where you'd get, I don't know was it two hours three hours of just constant metal videos and it just became kind of a, a sort of affirmation of uh, you know the popularity of uh, of metal both on MTV and, and FM and in the culture at large you mentioned that the, the, the Freddy Krueger movie there dream warriors that features none other than Dokken on the you know as their, their dream warrior soundtrack <sighs> who's, contribution who is the yeah. first
0: host of headbangers was it Adam Curry <laughs> no I, uh, I think it kevin was seal Kevin nope. seal no nope. kevin seal
2: filled in after that i want to yeah. say uh, yeah it was probably adam curry and he was like he was nobody's favorite was it really okay. yeah i liked kevin seal yeah he was edgy and funny he was adam funny
0: Curry's, yeah adam he curry. he was not long for mtv but he seemed, uh, he seemed like a real poser dude but
2: yeah, he, okay. he seemed
0: wrong for Headbangers Ball, but I liked him. Like, just when he was on MTV. He was funny.
2: Yeah.
3: I don't remember yeah, uh, then, I remember his name. I can't place his face. I, I'm trying to look him up now.
2: Oh, yeah. If you see him it's with his alive. big sort of fringe leather jacket and big poofy hair, he was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
3: right. looked, for sure. You're talking about Adam Curry. I'm talking about Kevin Seal.
2: Oh, well... Kevin Steele looked pretty ordinary.
3: When, when, when Adam Curry took over, like I remember everybody I knew was like, this guy, like poser guy.
0: Yeah, he had the hair. He had a big leather jacket.
3: He was way too pretty.
0: Yeah, uh, I think we can kind of thank Adam Curry because he was one of the guys who started podcasting.
2: Oh,
3: I think we need it's
2: his fault. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs>
0: Hey everyone, pissed but, off that you lasted this long into the episode. Send a letter to Adam Curry and tell him fucking thanks a lot.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Here's another thing you ruined, you fucking <laughs> bonds. Yeah, wow. thankfully,
0: Axl Rose went into the top brass at MTV and told them. Adam Curry is no longer the host. Ricky Rackman is now the host.
2: Um, wow. Yeah. Yep. Back in the days when Axel had could wield so much power. <laughs> yeah. Where, it's true. Where, and, and again, did they tell him? Well, in the patients' video, we want you to be wearing this MTV ball cap.
3: <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> okay. That's okay. I'll. That's a good quid, quid pro quo, right? All there. All right.
0: You take my boy Ricky, and then I'll wear the hat. Yeah,
2: for sure. And, nice trade. Uh, also, can you can you distribute these flyers to the to the cat house? <laughs> yeah. I, actually, they made Steven Adler do that. <laughs> so I know we want to get Ouch. to like the the, the, the the albums for which 1987 <sighs> would have just been another year, uh, but but this is definitely the year where uh, there were really big albums beyond Joshua Tree uh, that just kind of like came out and just dominated the market and we're all over mtv so i know we have we have some favorites that we want to kind of get to without you know neglecting uh some of the more underground bands that were also beginning to emerge as well
1: does anybody so, mind if i tell you what i was doing in 1987 not racing children <laughs> no i wasn't i was drunk
0: nice.
3: oh, i
1: was i was drunk oh, for two that solid explains years. the
3: kids later yeah, yeah. You know, right okay.
1: they right after that yeah. Well, okay. I, I I didn't get a chance to to tell my little backstory here, so if you don't right. mind, I'm gonna take Please. ten seconds.
3: How many episodes worth of your backstory is this gonna be? I just wanna You've already seen the movie, <laughs> David. You've
1: already <laughs> seen the movie. <laughs> so in nineteen eighty seven I was twenty and I was gonna turn twenty one that fall. And that was my junior year in college. My first senior year was gonna begin that fall because I had to. uh <laughs> uh we drank everything in sight, and and that is no for those that would know my history that is that is no small feat. Trust me. Um, uh, bug spray? Were you drinking uh, bug spray? We were not <laughs> drinking bug spray. Some stuff tasted okay. like. I mean, a lot of Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. A little shout out to the Mad Dog folks. Wow. Um, Night train, Yukon High School, classy. Uh, uh-huh.
3: Robitussin? You been doing <laughs> Robitussin?
1: <laughs> no, 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 robot Um How about
2: hairspray? Are we doing the Kitty Dukakis
1: cocktail? No, I. No, just Sprint. booze booze and beer. Okay. Never tried anything else other than that stuff. Um, but it was, to me, though, uh, as, as you know, big fan of the 80s, love everything about it. What was nice about 1987 was we had five years of releases coming up into 1987 because we've had all these episodes, right, of the 83, 84. Think about all of those classic albums that were still sitting in your library. Before appetite hit, before girls, girls, girls hit, before hysteria hit, etc. So to me, it just sweetened the pot. It was a great time. I, I just all we did was party for almost two solid years. Thank you for letting and me what, speak on my behalf.
2: Oh no! And so, and so what? What were the albums
1: that, Honor, that like, I
3: got
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let, Let's let's hear what? what David was up to in in eighty seven.
3: I don't remember what I was up to in eighty seven. Come 87. on. What
0: were you, what were you, I
3: don't even, uh, all the same stuff, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was playing music. What, what grade is, is 15? This is me, right? 10th like tenth, tenth grade, Ninth
0: grade,
3: 10th yeah.
0: grade, 10th grade.
3: 10th sure. grade. Yeah. I mean, I was playing in a band. I was doing stuff, growing my hair long and trying to be cool, but not cool. Um, yeah. Gosh, I don't know. I mean, it's high school is a blur. It was really busy. I played music every chance I got and listened to music constantly. And for me, this was kind of when everything was starting to congeal around rock, metal, and looking for like the next big thing constantly, right? So. Not so much leaving things behind but you know i mean things kind of rise to the top you know so as we're looking at the cool music like this is where real metal and music that i really enjoy that i still enjoy is rising to the top um but other than that you know it was it was a blur for me my school i went to public school and the school itself was pretty typical Except for the fact that they let you do a lot of things. I don't know if I wouldn't call it getting away with things, but by the time I was in 10th grade or so, I was essentially a music major. You know, I was taking like college prep classes when I got in the upper grades, but, you know, I took, I think, like a music theory class as a substitute for my fourth year math because you only had to take three years of math. Um, you know, so they kind of as a byproduct of us advocating for ourselves, they let us take a lot of courses, um, and they let the arts teachers create a lot of courses cause we were drumming up interest in them. So, um, high school was from a, from an academic standpoint, from a creative standpoint, it was a pretty fun experience from ev- pretty much every other standpoint was miserable. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's blurry, it's blurry. <laughs> Mike
0: Mike what were we doing in 1987? Cuz we were probably hanging out 6 days a week,
1: <laughs> maybe oh, 7.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, no I think we were we were we were definitely like uh, still
0: uh,
1: yeah, in, in the middle of high
2: help. school. No, uh, but I mean Mike and I worked
0: together too. So it was like we go to school together, we worked together, work? we hung out together like
2: at the at the movie theater. Movie we're theater. At the movie theater, we took Spanish class together, we took road trips with my mom and grandma to Reno watched just about every movie on the weekends at the, the Morgan Hill Cineplex, uh, you know, what trolled the record stores, went to rock shows, went to the mall, just about I feel like anything eight, and everything. Was you do. We
0: really started seeing a lot of concerts.
2: We could finally
0: yeah. drive. We could finally get out of Hollister and, and get to shows without like bumming a ride or figuring it out. We could finally, we could finally just go.
2: And so we saw everything. Yeah, and anything that was with, with, within driving distance thereafter, for sure, um, that, those became kind of like the, the the points of you know the things that you would look forward to or the, the great uh, moments of anticipation. Um, but but again, it was just definitely kind of accompanied by like a lot of uh, great you know bands and a lot of great albums that that came out in that period. And, and Colin's point is is, is well. Taken the sense that you know, in the, in the episodes prior, uh, we've we've already kind of discussed the the sort of like you know the the continual sort of uh, acceleration of metal culture in this year, assisted by MT- uh, in these years assisted by MTV and, and FM radio, um, and and certainly films. Um, and 1987 seems like the year that there was uh, just this this kind of enormous breakthrough. Where uh, you know bands like Bon Jovi or White or Def Leppard uh, just seemed to be kind of everywhere, and there was you know even if you were a, if especially if you were a metal fan, this this might have also been the year where you kind of got sick of everybody suddenly now being a metal fan too. Um, so now that everyone's kind of given a uh, sort of a little piece of the background of where they were. Um, are there? I know from the list there were, there were definitely some albums that we all kind of, uh, you know, put on our top fives. Uh, so where where do we want to begin? Like what would we say are like some of the albums that, if listeners had to go back, you uh, a sort of like audio time machine, you put this album on and boom, you're right back in 1987 and you smell like Aquanet.
1: Well, we know that Appetite for Destruction came out, which is the greatest album of all time. If you want to hear more about that, you can check out our seven hour episode dedicated entirely to that movie.
0: Oh, my God. Just go back. If you ever wanted to hear David Timoney sigh, (laughs) that's your episode.
2: Repeatedly.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That is not a soundboard on that episode. (laughs) That's actually Dave live. So, so I mean, or you could just do
3: your, or you could just like punch yourself in the face. Look, i i, I yeah.
0: am going to join colin in the revelry of appetite for destruction i think we talked about it enough but it's excellent and yeah. uh and and really probably the most important hard rock record that year
1: ever
2: absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well or ever oh there's a but sigh
1: where's yeah. my bingo board where's my bingo <laughs> <Yeah>. board <laughs> Hope <laughs> oh, I, I hope you're all playing along at home with the bingo game. <laughs>
2: I, but I, I think it's especially useful to kind of consider the, the, the sort of impacted influence of GNR uh, in contrast probably to, to some of the bands that were, were kind of coming, you know, really hitting their stride, whether it's Motley Crue with Girls, Girls, Girls or, uh, you know, all the other LA bands that were continuing to kind of put out their third or fourth releases um, for which then Motley, uh, you know, Guns N' Roses just seemed to be like the obvious sort of like choice. It's like, yeah, I'm done with Motley Crue and all of their uh, what, whatever antics or the this, this sort of like uh, that we'd, we'd use that word again. That's sort of like poser glam terminology to say Motley Crue was a good band for a while but now it's Guns N' Roses um, and, and for a lot of people that became kind of like a, a kind of dividing line but it, it took some time, it took a lot of time it, 1986 was or 1987 wasn't necessarily the year of Guns N' Roses, it took a while for that album to kind of pick up speed as we talked about. Yeah, uh, 88 it episode. was probably bigger but I mean they were almost yeah. like a whiplash
0: reaction to what was big at the time. If he, if for sure if The Joshua Tree is the biggest album in the world in nineteen eighty. Appetite's pretty far from that. In nineteen eighty, and, you know, and I so, wasn't so listening
3: was to either of those records, records really. in 1987 Really, yeah. Uh, you know what record I listened to more than both of those? The Return of Bruno. Whoa. <laughs>
2: okay. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. <Yikes>. Colin <sigh.
3: laughs>
2: for, for for, for 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 the kids out there who have no idea what David is referring to, yeah. he's talking about uh, wine-cooler crooner uh, Bruce Willis and his uh, little uh, bar band that uh, put out an album called The Return of Bruno.
0: Yeah, and for the Bruce rest Will- of you kids who don't know who Bruce Willis is, he's the <laughs> guy at Die Hard. And if Wait, you he's not know that's, that. that's the movie where the building explodes at Christmas time.
1: Uh, he used to be on television, yeah.
3: kids.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah, you would have to reference moonlighting at that point. But yeah, so David, how how, how was that with the with the, the Bruno record?
3: Well, oh, if you how, why now if you remember the like the mid eighties, uh and I think Labamba was the peak of that. Yeah, people was, were really into the, the oldies, in the dude was La Bamba. People were super Ooh. into the oldies. And I will tell you, you know, things like um, Eddie and the Cruisers and other movies and hits at the time were really pushing the mainstream listener to, like, dig up their parents' oldies records. I think of like, The
2: Big Chill or uh, Dirty Dancing in that same era. That,
3: yeah, exactly. Dirty Dancing is a big one um but like eddie and the cruises is like 83 84 then it comes on mtv or uh hbo a couple of years later and all of this is kind of combining and collapsing in on pushing a whole crowd of people with whom i was in school with these folks everybody's pulling out like their old like wibbage records and whatever you know those oldies compilations that used to come out sponsored by the local radio stations and I had a load of them, and they were putting out a, uh, like a series of compilations called Cruising. It'd be like Cruising '59, Cruising '56, '57, and people were eating this stuff up. But I mean, and,
0: it, Eddie in the Cruisers was kind of a cheat, wasn't it? Because I mean, like the music in that movie, it sounds more like Bruce Springsteen than it does the music of the time.
3: It does, yeah. I mean, they they to their credit, they hired a legit bar band to write the whole record. And that was uh John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band. They right. I think put out a yeah. second record and it, it's then just went album. back to playing bars. That's but, but, good, but it is it's a bit a, of a decent change. movie I and mean, it's, where it's dirty a great dancing
0: record. was period specific. Yes. Eddie and the Cruisers was really sort of retrofitting popular music of the time.
3: Yeah, yeah. But uh you know the the thing was at this time, and I remember this very clearly for myself, eighty seven was from a music standpoint i was playing metal and listening to metal for the purpose of playing metal but i was still listening to a lot of oldies and labamba was you know it was just as likely as i was sitting up watching headbangers ball or staying up to watch you know labamba videos <laughs> you know and and things like that i mean it's there was a lot going on in 87 uh, yeah, and I, feel, and I feel
0: like that happened more often in the 80s also where a movie would come out and the movie would capture America. And then for a while, the music of that movie, everyone was listening to like gun. when yeah. ha- When Harry Met Sally came out and suddenly everyone fucking loves Harry Connick Jr. And that that album yeah. was gigantic. And then the Bodyguard comes out and Whitney Houston is everywhere.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, well, I—that's—that's I that so MTV, much anymore. Right?
0: Um, but yeah, soundtracks played a big part in in sort of the radio and record landscape back then.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah or you think of like the Righteous Brothers and in, and in, uh, in Ghost. The, 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 in Ghost or in yep. Top Gun, and it's like, yeah, okay, yeah. There's, there's, there's a, always you kind of just scratch it a little bit, then there's the, the pop culture seeps out that crosses multiple generations. And I think John's right. Yeah, John Dry, the, there's, there's a sense that. You get, but but Bruno, though, that's, I don't know. I, I think when we were in high school. I just like, yeah. if somebody had if somebody been like, hey, you guys want to listen to some ACDC or the new Sabotage, and someone's like, no, nah, the return of Bruno, let's put that in. I'm just like slap that shit right out of their hands. They're like, it's so no way. Supposedly adept no. at the harp. Like, I'll pass. Get away from
1: <laughs> the boombox with that shit.
3: Dude, I bet not you Colin owns at least one copy of that record.
1: He paved his driveway with it. The Return of Bruno. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't. Yeah. I do good know. for I do you. Youngblood
0: is very enough. good. Good for you.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what about
0: Vision Quest?
1: You have that? Yeah. I, I do not have Vision, yeah, Vision no, Quest. Yeah, Vision Quest is better. I got a bunch of Top oh. Gun. That's that's around. Vision? Even Iron Eagle. Ask. I got an Iron Eagle kind of soundtrack here and there, the there, too. The Queen? Nice. Yeah, fried Ask. chicken, baby. Yeah. Vision yeah. Quest actually includes, if you recall, "Hungry for Heaven by one
2: Ronnie James Dio. Yep.
3: And the sun shining on my face.
2: Lunatic red. <laughs> Vision Quest is a good records. There you go.
0: All red, right. Uh, what? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the records of 1987 and uh, a lover of all things 1987. Colin Bosler will start. Pick take a record, Colin. We let's not talk
1: about Appetite. Let's talk about something else. All right. Well, what else is on, on the list? Since it's well, since it's on the Mount Rushmore, two of my bands on their Mount Rushmore are in this list. I will go with White Snake's album. They came out just entitled White Snake in 1987. Yeah. Sold, a, sold a gazillion copies, and as I mentioned before, everything was fun in '87. Everything was uh, a good drunken time. You cannot have a party without putting on White Snake, especially back in '87 when you've got Here I Go Again and some of those other songs that are on there. Crying in the Rain. It's a great album from front to back. Great party album love it
0: yeah mike had mentioned that on his list too Uh, that record was a monster at the time i remember we saw uh, girls 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 that tour played the bay area it was a day on the green so they played where the oakland a's played and it was motley white snake poison and jet boy and uh I, I mean white snake was was damn near as big as motley at the time at least mm-hmm. with that record uh you know still of the night and here i go again we're on that record too with the tawny contain videos and yo shout out to tawny contain because she gave a shout out to us on instagram there you go That's so, right, huh? um tawny's yeah, still sure. still doing it uh whatever that is uh yeah i i I gotta say i don't think that record has aged as well for me i I remember liking it at the time i think uh what's the album before that slide Uh, it slide it in in. 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 I i like that record better that's from 84 yeah interesting I, I think it's just a bit more of a hard rock record. I, I can't oh, get behind the whole the the like violin solos like on the nineteen eighty seven record. Like
1: da, da, da,
0: da. understandable, yeah. and and if you if you've got your card at home, I get it. But uh, <laughs> it's just not. Uh, it just it's just I don't know. I I don't really care for that record now. And it also might be a case though of it just being overplayed. Like sure. because it, it played a lot. I mean, those videos were huge, yeah. huge. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, the yeah, video for st- "Here I Go Again" was on like every fifteen minutes. It felt like, yeah, that's
2: yeah, it that, that certainly felt like it. Um, I, I remember at the time, like uh, Coverdale was saying that uh, wh- whatever White Snake is, it really wasn't like a band thing it was just like a vehicle for good rock songs so uh if you got attached to the band and the musicians you know slide slide it in it was basically it was basically deep purple it was david coverdale john lord cozy pal um, and of course john, john sykes on guitar uh, but by the time 1987 rolls around and the musicians who were listed as the recording artists uh have disappeared by the time the videos those iconic videos are ever made um john sykes is gone uh rudy sarzo's in adrian vandenberg's in uh, vivian campbell comes in at some point just, and of just course, to score that A- record i think then A- he joined def leppard And then the ageless wonder Tommy Aldridge comes in on drums. (laughs) 95
1: years young. But but I think that might be part of my problem. He's a specific specific age.
3: age. We've talked
2: about that, where you
0: grow attached to a band and you grow attached to the players in that band outside of David Coverdale there was no one really to get attached to John Sykes is amazing but he wasn't even there when the popular record came out he had already taken off and instead you have a you have a spry 63 year old David Coverdale <laughs> you know headlining yeah. White Snake 1987 at Oakland Coliseum which is fine but yeah. they, i don't know like they
2: just didn't fit to me with the other bands at the time yeah, they're definitely because of the, the sort of you know Coverdale's uh, coming up in, uh, in in deep purple. Uh, he seems like this, this not sort of a holdover, but kind of like a survivor, an unlikely survivor who kind of reinvents his sound um, and becomes incredibly popular. And, and I think uh, he took like a lot of backlash too. We referenced that sort of guitar solo that reminds people of you know Jimmy Page doing Cashmere and uh then the sort of that sort of backlash begins against bands who have that sort of you know where their influence on their sleeves sort of technique whether it's great white uh who we might talk about uh but definitely white snake and then in years to come will be King- kingdom come and uh, for for people who weren't even listening to led zeppelin it was just kind of like well uh, i don't see anything wrong with ripping off led zeppelin because they weren't doing anything with it uh but <laughs> but undeniably a, a, a sort of monster record. And and again, you hear like even commercials these days, the sort of goofy commercials like the Geico commercial or some other one, you know, they play these, uh, you know, Is It Love or uh, Here I Go Again, and it's like, they're like punch, uh, punch lines. They're like, that's a sort of like an 80s joke that these songs are still sort of popular enough to kind of press people's buttons, so... You know, just just sign the check, David Coverdale. He'll be happy for that. And he's, <laughs> and he's and he's and he's still and he's still touring, right? He's still putting out some kind of album, and he's he, he was just he was just here at Park's Casino, I think, like within the past six months or so. Is,
1: is he so, still touring idea. as Whitesnake or is it David Coverdale?
0: Yeah, as uh, he will be
1: with Sammy Hagar this summer. Oh, that's right. That's there you right. go. Well, okay. was
0: going to be with Sammy Hagar this summer i mean as, as we're recording this episode like uh, it, we're in the midst of the coronavirus panic and i saw live nation has postponed almost every show they had going out for the next few months it's gonna be a weird time yeah. uh, uh, for the touring industry but uh anyway I, I, for everyone out there listening stay safe wash your hands uh, and don't go see white snake it's not worth it get out the virus <laughs> let's be awesome. i mean for eight bucks
3: you can skip the show and you can dance on top of his car
0: i mean there that's you go cool. that's all right.
3: right yeah
0: just start you, the david cover down <laughs> you can talk to tawny katane as well and so you 10 don't bucks extra if you leave coronavirus marks. yeah yeah
1: just i got just, nothing but love for white snake and david coverdale <laughs> yeah Absolutely. I'll if be there. If you want to
0: meet Colin and David Coverdale,
3: right. And then there's uh, an upcharge go to, to meet Colin.
0: Afterwards.
1: White yeah. Snake, <laughs> snake tickets is there. As there should be.
3: I <laughs> highly <laughs> recommend the, 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 the right. honey baked biscuits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, Dave,
0: and the hazmat suit. David, you toss us a record from 1987.
3: <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was torn about this. I got to say. The 1987ist record I was listening to in 1987 was I'm the Man by Anthrax. That's like the 80est, like the 87est record I was listening to. But being that it's an EP and like five of the tracks are that five of the seven tracks on there are the same song, um, I'm gonna just, you know, pop the cherry and say Anthrax Among the Living was the record that from the first second I was done i was just blown the hell away i had gotten that record i was out it was like me my sister my grandmother and my mom we were doing our shopping i pick up among the living i put it in my you know i unwrap it as we're driving around they park and go into like james way or something to finish up some shopping and i'm like i'll just stay in the car and i sat in the back seat you know laying across the 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 back seats listening to this on my walkman and just losing my freaking mind what i mean it's it's up there among what i would consider a short list of perfect records you can listen to that record you can listen to that record from beginning to end and you've got to dig deep to have critic you know critique you know what i mean like i don't like the fact that they're super into stephen king Um, I never read Judge Dredd and I don't think Judge Judge Dredd is
2: right there.
0: I I was, I was just going to put that as a high point because not only do I love the songs, but it also seemed like anthrax loved all the same shit that Mike and I loved at the the time. Right. Have you been reading my dream journal? (laughs) <laughs> the title track of the album is about the stand. Yeah.
3: Fuck yeah. awesome. There's and a then song then about that. So it's called Judge Jimmy Dredd Crack Corn. And I don't care, dude. It's like
0: I, I don't know, man. I, they,
3: like, I don't really like Judge Dread. I don't really li- I don't like Stephen King at all. Those are my <laughs> own criticisms of the whole freaking record. There's
0: two Stephen King songs
3: on that I record. That's right. But what I'm saying is despite the fact that i'm not into that stuff it almost makes me want to read the stand it almost makes me want to like it doesn't make me want to check out judge dread because i just don't that pupil it's shorter Uh, um yeah but the thing is this is that's me explaining i think you got to dig like three layers deep to be critical of that record it is a great freaking record the production is flawless it is like they're mosh parts are so heavy. It's coming through the speakers when they are grinding through among the living, it's entirely perfect. And when they yell, uh, you know, war dance in the middle of Indians, you were just like, that's the freaking mosh part guys. This is yeah. where we kill ourselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. and the bass sound, like I, we were talking about it in the last episode with like DRI and anthrax. These were the first bands that have that twangy, like piano string tone on the bass. And it really cuts through in a way that doesn't get in the way of the other the other parts of the songs. But they, I mean, that's freaking lightning in a bottle. You know, I've never seen a band come from what was already a good record and walk into a better record, and then pretty much keep that going. Um, not with like the perfect album, but with the sound and the dedication to it. And you know, I was we we talk about this all the time. I was disappointed when guys started leaving. Um, I'm glad they're back together but I could just if they retired after this record I would still listen to this record once a month for the rest of my life.
2: Well, and and again while while we're talking about uh, Among the Living I would say as as soon as you know you see in the magazine that like coming soon Among the Living and you start reading some of the pre uh, you know the the pre-writing reviews on it you're like this is the record that you're going to like drive that day to the mall to pick up um, and 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 absolutely you know the the first the first listen was just incredibly intense and you know and, and, and as John already sort of indicated like and the, the fact that it had uh, these sort of uh, songs based on Stephen King novels or short stories just made them seem so I don't know infinitely in tune with like a lot of things that were going on in the the young adolescent mind at that time and uh and, and a song the, the songs like uh one world and uh, and uh adi uh some of the deeper tracks there kind of, kind of give you a hint too that, that that anthrax was a sort of like socially conscious band uh you know fr- from the, from the from the beginning uh, you know, there's songs there about uh, the concerns about Star Wars, not the movie, but uh, the stellar defense initiative that uh, that Reagan introduced. And now Trump is talking about like the Star Force or some shit like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's uh, it, it's definitely a, a, an album that stands uh, the test of time. Some of the songs are kind of a little goofy, you know, like, you know, the evil, evil Nick confess. it's like, OK, I got gotcha. you. Uh, but some of the songs are just kind of like chilling and dark. Definitely like Among the Living is, is classic. Uh, I still love Horror of It All. It's that's that's a great record too. So uh, yeah, and, and more and more great things would would, would come with uh, the albums that uh, that followed. So this was definitely introducing Anthrax to uh, to, to the world of metal. Uh, even as we were listening to to White Snake or Hysteria by Def Leppard.
0: Yeah, and they opened for Kiss that tour. Yeah. Drink. It was great. <laughs> I mean, but that's
3: that record though. It's really tough. And this is how it was for me. Like I talk about going back and forth between a variety of records and all kinds of things. You know, you imagine like Labamba co- the video for Labamba comes on. You're like, "Hey, this is cool." And then you you go upstairs, you put on Among the Living and you're like, "You know, I contain multitudes, right?" You know, I'm walking down the <laughs> beach listening to Kiss Me Kiss Me Kiss Me. And my sister's blaring louder than bombs in the next room, um, you know. Or you're listening to the Less Than Zero soundtrack, which I freaking loved. Um,
0: yeah, that's a good soundtrack. The
3: Fat Boys' Wipeout. I still listen to that. <laughs> um, we, we played
0: Disorderlies at the
3: Granada that year. Yeah, um, there's a lot of good records out that were not metal that I listen to quite a bit. Still do. Um, I got a copy of Less Than Zero on on. CD like used <laughs> recently because that there's like a Glenn Danzig track on there that's really good. I think it's it's credited to Glenn Danzig and the Power and Fury Orchestra.
2: <laughs> there's not, there's a lot of a metal. There's a lot of metal covering metal on that uh, on that record too, isn't there?
3: Uh, there's no metal covering metal. There's Anagata devita by uh, Slayer, and there's um. Rock and Pneumonia the Boogie Woogie Flu by Aerosmith is on there. It doesn't, um, it doesn't
2: poison cover rock and roll all night on that, too?
3: They do. They, they do, as a matter that's, of fact. That's,
2: that's, that's, and, that's and what I bangles remember. And the are
3: on there. Dude, their <laughs> oh, version yeah. of Crazy Sh- crazy Shade of Winter, or Hazy Shade of Winter, Hazy
0: Shade of Winter is, is one of good. my
3: favorite tracks of all, yeah. like, guitar-wise, yeah, killer great. guitar sound. Yep, yeah. um, I, I listen. That's heavy rotation for me. That that songs from that record.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Colin, thoughts about uh, Among the Living?
1: Honestly, I didn't get into Anthrax back in the day. Anthrax was a later gift of a friend of mine. Uh, a guy named Kevin turned me on to Anthrax much, Kevin. much, much later. Dude, Kevin's great.
0: That's, that's, <laughs> yeah I, really solid, I
1: did i did like i did like i'm the man that was fun i did i did spin that uh many times back in 87 but i just wasn't i, I wasn't into that I, remember i told you before i was more hair metal and less what i would consider kind of that over top thrashy uh you know, dark, aggressive kind of stuff. I just wasn't me. So I didn't get into it. But obviously now, do I respect it? Absolutely. It's it's a, a great album. Just at the time, completely passed me by. I was too busy doing the White Snake, Def Leppard, Motley Crew stuff.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: Fair enough.
2: Yeah. Should, is there anything that we should say about uh, I'm the man?
1: I, know, thought it to, when I, I thought it was fun just because it was an, an interesting take on – Cause I, I, never was big into rap, but certainly it was everywhere as we've talked about it on MTV and all the things you couldn't, you couldn't, you know, rap was a, an available, um, thing to hear all the time on the radio. So I kind of like and on the videos, I kind of liked the fact that it crossed over and I thought it was a fun thing to look at. I, I thought the, uh, the video was fun. I, it just didn't, it didn't make me want to listen to anthrax, but I just thought it was a fun tune. I thought it was
3: kind of neat. So the, okay. um, uh- the uh, the reference to I'm the man. Anybody? Uh, oh, wow. Easy money. Easy money. <laughs> Taylor Negron. Yeah. In the bushes. Out? Tell her how bad you are.
2: <laughs> I am the man. I tell her how bad you are. I'm bad. I'm, <laughs> I'm so bad. bad. I'm, I'm so, so bad, bad. I should be in detention. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice. I uh, never knew that. It,
2: it, Big props it, it, for
1: Taylor Negron, by, by the way. I yeah, love Taylor Negron. He's it, it, great. in Stuart years, Little.
2: Like, uh, go- yeah, that's right. When I went back and watched that, and it was like,
1: "Oh my gosh, that's
2: that's from that's that Anthrax song." Oh, <laughs> clever! I'm, I'm bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, again, I guess uh, is this the birth of rap metal? Probably not. It's definitely not the, the sort of like a, no. it's the it's it's the big it's the big sort of introduction, and and the fact that it's kind of a it's it's if if it's rap, it's uh, Comedic rap at that, so it's maybe taking the piss out of rap. I don't. It's it's complicated. White people doing rap. It's always complicated. You go back. You can listen to uh, King Cobra on their second record, for which also includes the soundtrack to Iron Eagle. Two. You remember that one, right? Uh, also, also includes uh, their their sort of. Uh, they're 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 touching uh, sort of uh, recognition of the homelessness uh, problem in Reagan's America, uh, and the song is called Home Street Home, and it's it's rock metal, uh, it's, it's heavy metal meets rap, and it's it it precedes I think I'm the man, so it's, it was already kind of kind of out there. People were kind of experimenting with it, but I'm the man. I think was the one that because it had its own sort of like. Uh, I don't know what, what would you call it—a single. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's an EP, I guess. Uh, definitely, it's worth checking out just because it has the, their their sort of massive cover of uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath on that. That's that's epic. Um, but uh, yeah, rap metal would be. Well, we'll get to that when we get to the the new metal phase with the uh-huh. lim- <laughs>
1: <laughs> that oh, you'll need a lot dear. of those, David. You're gonna have a yeah. lot of the rough time. Save those, oh.
2: Uh, oh.
1: I, I hope Bevmo is open that Sunday. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Get 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 your buckets ready.
1: Bring it on. Uh, baby. Bring it on.
2: So, what what are some of the other big releases that we would uh, be remiss if we didn't uh, discuss a little bit?
3: I don't Mike, know, you you throw just one going
2: out there. on. Who's going over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll throw one out there. How about uh, "Permanent Vacation" by Aerosmith? Ugh. Granted. <laughs> Come on. I, I, I like "Permanent Vacation."
1: It's really? funny.
0: Fun. yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, it's not that. <laughs> you sound like you're talking yourself into it. No, I mean, I, I don't you think know. it's that different it's than a lot uh, of Aerosmith records. It was that was a one of giant record at the time. Uh, I mean, what were the singles? They had quite a few singles from that record, didn't they? Oh, well, they had a they had a bunch.
2: Dude, looks like yeah, a lady. Dude,
0: looks like a lady was enormous. Was huge, and I mean that that came off the tail end of of them sort of coming back around after Walk
3: This Way. Dude, uh, looks like a lady is like that, and Rag are the big '87. Rag Ragdoll. Angel yeah.
1: Angel was no slouch either. That was '88.
0: Uh, same record though. Mm, yeah. Um. Yeah, I yeah. mean we saw we saw that tour with Dawkins
3: oh. and
0: Aerosmith oh, was really, really good. Uh that yeah, was the we, first time I had seen them. I I think Mike too. Uh
2: absolutely, yeah. So it was uh it was definitely an experience because it's just again to kind of like uh what, what I was saying there about Coverdale, it's like, Hey, remember Aerosmith? I'm like, not really, no. But, yeah. but <laughs> when they uh here's but, a side when, note but, Here's a side note to that concert.
0: This will tell you what it was like going to concerts in the 80s. We were in the parking lot, drunk, unnamed friend, uh, head butted a hibachi. Uh, Then he started hooking up with a, how do I put this? With a bigger girl. And then uh, they both threw up, and then they continued to make out, and then we saw Aerosmith. (laughs) Welcome back to
2: 1987,
1: everyone.
0: Yeah.
2: Remember what the 80s were like. That's, that's what the heavy metal parking lot was all about. Was what was he like, Mike? Getting drunk Ruben, up. Ruben asked. No, oh no, he was not talking about me. He was not oh. talking about me. That oh, was, God. that was somebody else. <laughs> but, uh, and the person, who, if, if the per- person is listening to this podcast, they, they know who they are. They know what yeah. they did. And yes, we do have pictures.
3: Please call yeah. in.
2: Uh, <laughs> he loves a rainy night.
3: Uh, yes.
2: Um, but uh, yeah, so so Aerosmith Grabbing. was was kind of like re- rediscovered by the I think the the, the 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 popular heavy metal genre at this time, and whether or not anybody would ever say that Aerosmith is heavy metal, uh, I guess is beside the point because they were, you know, they were in the same sort of uh, classification on Headbangers Ball or in Circus Magazine. It was just, you know, they were that. Where else are you going to group them? Um, and they had they had enormous hits uh, that that they, they came out with. They were one
0: with. of the bands that had to conform to that look at the time and that that sort of flavor at the time, but actually pulled it off.
2: Yeah, and yeah, they got uh, they got Desmond Child to kind of assist them with the, the the songwriting of you know uh, the power ballads like uh, like Angel and you know just as Kiss did. And uh, it, it worked out to everyone's mutual benefit because those songs became popular. Uh, the, the, the audience for these bands continued to expand, um, and we're those and these bands are still you know on the road today, uh, minus Joey Kramer, I guess. But uh, you know that's 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 a testament to to, to something that they, they've just kind of like lodged themselves here um into this you know that this, this particular genre of music um, but do we and we also saw aerosmith in concord uh when uh guns of roses opened for them yeah there was that was that was that was a kick-ass show to, to, see, to see both those bands together uh uh at, at the same time that was that was pretty awesome so that's you know, my memories of, of Aerosmith in that year were, you know, pretty pretty powerful.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, another re- great record came out uh, that wasn't quite metal was "Tapau." Uh,
0: Tapow. T- t- <laughs> step by step. <laughs> what, what's uh, that no. what's the song? Heart and
3: well, the record's called he "Heart and kept. Soul." Uh, no, man. That, it, yeah, that's you're thinking of "Toy Soldiers."
0: Yeah, what's the Tapau song?
3: Tapau is "Heart and Soul." Heart and soul. With a little
2: bit of heart. And so, wow,
3: I hold on. Let me, get, okay. let, me, let me grab a guitar for it.
2: No, 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 no. no. You, you nailed it. It's all coming back to us now. <laughs> uh, Jesus. You know what to pal refers to, right? I do
3: nerd what stuff. I thought you all what be in it refer to? I
0: know it refers to a Vulcan.
3: It's like a, yeah, it's like oh, a okay. Star Trek term. Yes. <laughs>
2: all
1: right, whoa,
0: always learning. <laughs>
1: And always teaching.
3: That's why we're all going to hell. I am going to throw out a record. All right. Please.
0: I am going to talk about White Lion's album Pride. Wow. Uh, It's their second record. I fucking love this record. I still play it all the time, which I, you know, I look back and it's like uh, White Lion, oddly enough, is a band. I never saw we saw everyone and i don't know Uh, what it was with these guys but they were just i don't some sometimes bands would switch openers mid-tour and they would only do the east coast or they would only do europe and they just never made it around to us because i loved this record i would have went to see them
2: in a second And they just never came around. Uh, Sure. Because they did play with ACDC at the shoreline.
0: I must have missed that show. Or if I did, I don't remember. Because I do not remember seeing them. And I love this album. I think, you know, we talked about it on the guitar episode. I think... uh, I think Vito Brada is an amazing guitarist, and yeah. Mike Tramp's a decent vocalist. But for me, that band was was really Vito Brada, and uh, and this album is so good, start to finish.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I, uh, I agree. It's got a lot of strong. When the children cry is on here, correct? Yep. When yes. the children yeah. cry, yeah. and I'll Wait. tell you what—that's that's that pulls at your heartstrings, man. That's a that's a uh, there's a lot of emotion behind that song. Yeah,
0: I love that entire album. Uh, Lady of the Valley, Tell Me, Lonely Nights, really, tell really me, good, yeah, song.
1: good song.
3: I got Wait in the headphones right now. That's a, it's a good song. It's a I good song. I can't. I don't think <laughs> yeah. I've heard another song on this record other than When the Children Cry.
0: Okay. I, if you like Wait, the rest of the album is <laughs> in line with that. I mean, it really <laughs> is. Like, I wouldn't you say, guys? I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you, yeah, you know the records, I. I think this album and the album following are both pretty good.
3: I mean, they're the songs are nearly perfectly put together. You know, like lyric. You know, the the verses the to very, the bridge, like
0: right. They're very cookie cutter nineteen eighty seven hard rock metal records. Like they're not doing anything on that record that hasn't been done before. They're just yeah. doing it well.
3: They're doing it well. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And they're more sort of like softer edge, sort of melodic. Their their songs don't really thrash don't about. There's nothing
3: rock and roll. Um, that's a terrible... I hate it when
2: yeah. people sing that. Yeah. Songs about rock rock and roll songs about rock and roll usually aren't very good. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: but like God gave rock just, and roll to you. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah not yeah.
2: very good. But but still kiss,
0: which makes it better than most things. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And...
3: Not much, man. No... Not much. It ain't like rice pudding, you know? <laughs>
2: but, yeah, so, but but, but it's, it's probably really easy for people to kind of, like, lose track of uh, of White Lion. They, they were, again, another sort of band who was just another band. That was a white band. Well, we already talked about White Snake. We talked about White Tiger. We <laughs> about great white. Well, well that uh, and they
0: never really got over the hump. It was one yeah. of those things. That album actually did great. I was just looking at it right now. It went to number eleven on the charts, which is yeah. big for the time. And wait, sure. went to number eight.
3: Yeah,
0: um, what did When the Children Cry go? It must have been a bigger. That hit, went right? to number three. Yeah, like I, you know, they had big singles off this record, but they were never a headliner. They were they were always in that sort of maybe you know subgroup of of metal acts. They're also a band that came around a little late. Their first album didn't do much. Pride was the record. I mean, for the longest time, even in talking on the podcast, I thought Pride was their first record for a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because so they're, the they're first, like the first album game. just did nothing, right? even yeah. a hit on That's that? main attraction? I think no.
0: It was. The first no. Was, it's called It's called Fight just, to Survive.
1: Yeah, just, main attraction is the one okay. that killed them because they did Radar Love.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's on Big Game. Oh, they did that's on Radar. Oh wait, first. I'm sorry. No,
1: wait. There was nothing on Main Attraction. Then Radar Love came out, and by that time it was over. Right. Made, yeah. Main yeah. attraction was the fourth record. Right. Like yeah, that. I think I heard.
3: I think I heard their recording of uh, of Radar Love, like on VH1. Yeah. Oh, for,
1: it, it's, for it's sure, it's a decent cover. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yeah, it, it is, but not to follow up, the kind of music that they were trying to make and sell. No, I think you know,
3: no. nail like as, from a musical standpoint, they nail like the rock shuffle.
1: Yeah,
0: did Quiet Riot teach them nothing?
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, which
1: is you it's know so sadly, cool. John, that's exactly right. They, they basically I mean, followed pride is exactly the same as metal health right yeah big big hits a lot of a lot of love a lot of, I, everybody ran out and bought that album that i knew right we all we all learned um the lyrics and things and the, and the, the music and then after that just went away
2: yeah and again that was that was a sort of formula that that bands would play just to kind of get the uh, it's it's kind of like what twisted sister did with uh uh, leader of the pack. It's yeah, like which is you, awful. You, you, you don't. You Killbooker. don't need to do this. But uh, and and like Saxon came out once. Uh, you know they were already sort of like, you know, well established, and then they come out with uh, a song that, uh, that this would they cover Christopher Cross's uh, Ride like the wind, and it's like you <laughs> don't really need to do this. Why, oh, yeah. we, McDonald's? We prefer that?
0: that you don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, just just stop that already. So that I'm trying to figure like out what them, record but I that one. Like yeah, uh, yeah but, but again, that that just shows you the influence of the record company saying, like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get you on the radio, but it's got to be already sort of like one foot in the door. And Radar Love is. I uh, I don't know. It Just it seemed like like a bad decision, but they they, they did what they did and, or what they had to do. And like John said, maybe there's plenty of reasons why they didn't get over the hump. Uh, just it was a crowded field too. Here's the other thing: we're talking about bands like Def Leppard and Bon Jovi dominating the the charts, and then uh, you know all these little smaller bands start bubbling up, and uh, there's you know the the, the fight to survive. Uh, White Lion was on, but you know they're, they're they're still fondly remembered. Yep. I don't know what Vita Broad is doing these days, but we know. looked it up. He's not doing he shit. It up. He had some sort of medical thing <laughs> that he couldn't play. Uh, Okay, well, that's, well, that's uh, that's unfortunate. I think yeah, Mike Tramp still does some like solo stuff Mike, here and there.
0: Mike, Mike Tramp still goes out as White Lion, as Mike Tramp's White Lion, and I think uh, I think I threw on the Instagram a couple weeks back. He's got a new yeah. record coming out. Um, right. He doesn't tour here that often. When he puts out a record, he's Danish, and when he puts out a record, he what? mostly sort of spins around Europe. Yeah, Mike Mike Tramp is Danish. Um. Mm, Dan is yeah. <laughs> uh I I think he, he probably just goes out around Europe, makes enough to pay the rent, and uh and that's that. So anyway. Hey Mike Tramp, if you want to come on the podcast, we're here, my man.
3: Yeah, uh-huh. why
2: not? Put that Danish down. I'm oh, gonna hit him up.
3: Colin, you gotta I give us it. Colin, you gotta give us another one because I know it's gonna cross over with at least one other list.
1: Colin, right, we'll- come back around. All right. Well, I was gonna give you Def Leppard's Hysteria, but I'm gonna leave that one to the side because right now I'm spinning Y&T's Contagious. I All love right, yeah. that album. Put yeah, this, that's,
0: that's gonna be on my
1: list. That I know this is one of on your your California house bands Ron from back Michael's when you guys used to play your barbecues and stuff back then. But oh, yeah. this, when this came out in '87, again fun right, times, time. I one time a
3: hibachi. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> didn't
1: didn't, didn't Manicetti a hibachi? Yeah, you know, we we never happens. such a thing. Um, dude, I just that. love this. This album is so much. If you if you're looking for the first time to go back to '87 and pick up a, a really an unknown and and lesser appreciated album, grab "Contagious," man. It is fun track after track.
0: Yeah, I like "Contagious" too. It. Uh we talked a bit about bands having to conform to the, the hair metal cookie cutter of the time. And if you look at the back cover of contagious, that is, Whoa. so they had just signed with Geffen records. This was their first sort of major label release. They were on AM records up until then. And AM records just never really did much. Don Dawkin threw in a good word with John Kolodner and they signed Y Uh, You know, everyone it's funny because all of their contemporaries always spoke highly of YT and spoke highly in particular of Dave Menichetti as a lyricist, as a guitarist, as a singer. And so they get signed to their big record debut. They're older than their contemporaries by around 10 years at that time. They, it's sort of Easily. the David Coverdale, you know, syndrome of yeah, yeah. Pride comes out, and they've got a 22-year-old Danish singer as their front man. And Contagious comes out, and they have a 37.
3: Everybody puts their shirts back on.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> so you look yeah. at the back cover of Contagious, and it looks like a different band. Like this so is which guy in this picture is <laughs> Dave Manichetti? Uh I gotta, I gotta pull up the picture. Hold on. It's uh, probably the
2: guy in the middle.
0: But well, uh, there's four guys, dude. Uh, I'm looking uh, for the picture. Hang on. Uh, so Dave is the third right one. the, mesh, from the left. Sure.
3: Uh, Third from the left. Okay.
0: Yep. He's, he's the biggest one. So it's Joey Alves on guitar. It's Phil Kenmore on bass. Dave Manichetti is singing and playing guitar and Jimmy DeGrasso, their new drummer there on the right, uh, who, who actually looked the part probably more than the other guys because he was like 10 years younger. um this album didn't really go anywhere uh it charted but i think i think it went to 78 on the billboard 100 Uh it barely charted
3: oh i thought it came out on 78 (laughs) (laughs) yeah damn near
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah came out on acetate uh (laughs) um
3: John I, well, I, 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 it
0: I think there's some really good records on or uh, sorry songs on that record contagious is a good lead single eyes of a stranger is a great song uh, i I don't know what do you think Mike i, I don't I don't uh, look back on it as one of yT's better albums I like the record uh, Yeah.
2: but this this was. This it's, it's kind not, of like uh, it betrays what they are. In a sense yeah it, it, it's it's definitely of its period in the sense where like all the things you mentioned where you see the band do they got a song on there called la rocks and if <laughs> that's there's no, there's no clear indication that uh they've they've kind of made that that sort of like sell-out move uh to to become one of the the sunset strip You know, bands for for a band that like dates back to 1974. That's just kind of like not fooling anybody.
0: Yeah, Uh, you know the original name for
2: that was not La Rocks too. It was called Boys
0: Night Out. But at the time, time, (laughs) Gaffin had just released a Sammy Hagar record with a song called Boys Night Out, and they had Y&T
2: change the song. Okay, I see. I I didn't know that, but. And I, 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 nothing against the song. I think you know it's 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 something of like I said of the time. Like so many bit bands were like uh, being snapped up by uh, by Geffen. Um, you know. So it was really just kind of like a matter of time before uh, you know. And this isn't Y&T's big break, but it, it's the one thing that kind of you know gave them a little bit more oxygen after A and M had kind of stifled their career for the past decade or so. Um, you know, they, they they would go on. They would have another big record, ten, that came out, and that was that was basically it for them. After that, they everybody was going independent because these nobody could get these records published, and uh, nobody was nobody was buying them at that point, except for for the hardcore fans. Um, among the songs on this record, I do not think anything but "Contagious" is played live. When I just saw them a couple weeks ago, they played "Contagious." Yeah, I agree uh, with that, Mike. And and it's a great live song. It still gets oh, a good fun, reaction. Yeah. Oh yep. yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, but again, as as far as our beloved Y&T goes, this is yeah, definitely them showing, you know uh, where where the music market was. Gone was Leonard Hayes. I think a lot of people took that you know, badly. Leonard Hayes, if you go look on any of the other back cover albums known as the mayor of hell was like the beer swizzling, uh, guzzling, uh, drummer from, from the, from the get go. And he was just kind of like a lovable loser kind of character. Um, and then he gets replaced by, you know, like a pretty boy who could just be in any other random metal band. And you kind of, you kind of see, uh, where, where things are going. And, And, and a lot of bands, you could even look at like hard, you know, much more sort of, uh, uh, you know, consistently hard rock, heavy metal bands like Anvil doing the sort of glam makeover thing too, uh, in this period. So, you know, that's that's what Hollywood does. It claims another victim, Y and T, Anvil, but still putting out good music. Yeah. You know, if you don't if you're not if you're not you know, if you're not interested in hanging up posters in your bedroom, you can still very much enjoy the music, right, Colin Bosler? Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Which is, but I mean, talk talk about a journeyman. Uh, you know, Leonard Hayes being replaced by Jimmy DeGrasso. Jimmy also played in White Lion, Suicidal Tendencies, Alice Cooper, Megadeth, David Lee Roth's fan, Ministry, Dawkin, and Rat. Jimmy got a man. Yeah, he's a ho. That, that guy knows some fucking songs that's good yeah like good you see runner, that guy so.
3: hanging out at, you see that guy hanging out at the chick-fil-a you're like oh crap
1: like <laughs> yeah, he played with david lee roth in 2003 the, uh yeah. vinnie a run for his money yeah <laughs> yeah and literally five years younger um
3: <laughs> he just yeah. throws the money and gets in his car
0: david yeah. what's, what's next on your albums
3: of oh <sighs> well, you knew it was coming right Celtic Frost, Into the Pandemonium. <laughs> I go. freaking love this record. It's so good. It's so good. If you haven't, I've said it before. If you haven't, give it a shot. It opens with a cover of Mexican radio by who? Oingo Boingo? It's a Oingo, wall, wall of Boingo. voodoo. No, wall, no, of, wall, voodoo. Voodoo. wall yeah. of voodoo. Wall of voodoo. I don't know why I confused. Damn I confused two bands I've never listened to in my life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Who is that obscure band that I can't that I, I can't even say I don't like because I've never heard them? Um, no, it's a great record. Um, it's through and through. I I, I I love the mournful sound of his voice in this record. It's a big change. Um, there's a there's another podcast did a whole episode on this on this record and for Celtic Frost fans specifically, it's amazing when you've got records that keep getting better. If you're a fan, you know, and that I. I there are so many bands and so many people who are fans of bands who have never experienced this where the first record comes out the second record is even better in the case of celtic frost the second record was two Megatherion, which is probably their biggest record and then this comes out and it's a shift from what they were doing before And it's even better than the previous records, or at least as good. And that continues for a while. And even now, if you're into them, the records they're putting out now are heavier and more intense. So if you're a fan, you'd be loving this. Um, I also think that it's one of their more accessible records. Um, It's not outrageously heavy. It's not like over the top on like either the cookie monster stuff or like the, the really growly vocals. Um, and then the other thing is they've got a, they've got a track on here, which they have on every record that is made up of kind of like sound effects and things. And it's called one in their pride. And there's even like a remix of it with like some electronic drums and things. Um, that's very moody and cool. I've got a playlist, uh, in my iTunes. That's just these like Celtic frost soundscapes. They're really cool and very creepy. So if you're into that, like kind of just noise and things, it's also really cool. But, you know, if you haven't heard it, give it a listen. Um, but this for me, Heavy Rotation, the song Mesmerized and the song Mexican Radio, I think, are the are the hits on that, on that record. Um, and, you know, I, I think we were trying to do five records. There's no way I could do five records. I've got like four or five records that I still listen to, and the rest at that time is just like piles and piles of
0: records. I, I, I think that speaks to 1987 really coming into its own in terms of metal. Like, yes, all these other bands were were selling millions and millions of records, but uh, also 1987 might be the time where a lot of... Sort of subgenres of metal were becoming very popular, like we talked about among the living, and and thrash was definitely a strong subgenre of metal at the time. Uh, fueled uh, Anthrax doesn't relate to that, but a lot of Bay Area thrash was was very popular at the time. Uh, a lot of a lot of hair metal, uh, a lot of different sorts of metal was gaining huge popularity and, and yeah. big
3: shows around the world. Yeah, I'll tell you what, when we were playing out, I remember, you know, Anthrax, not as like, I wouldn't say as like as inspiration or anything. Like that's a little, a little heavy for where it came from. But I think that record kind of showed us the importance of crafting songs that had the things that the crowds wanted. Like I remember somebody coming up to us after a show and they're like, your mosh parts are perfect. And I was like, Thank you. <laughs> like that's what we want. Like in a song, no matter how fast or thrashy it might be, we want to break it down so people can just get start spinning and get going. You know, and Anthrax did that better than anybody, and I think it was really obvious that they knew how to do it. And we took the time to like craft songs so that people in the crowd didn't have to just stand there. Um, Celtic Frost, that's a lot of standing there. But you know, the, but the music is good. That's the spectacle, not the event. Okay.
2: Yeah, and 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 definitely, um, you know, we we have uh, you know to, to, to play on the sort of uh, underground metal that's that's continuing to emerge. You got the debut of uh, of death with a uh, scream bloody gore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have uh, you have temp uh, the testament releases. Uh, uh, their debut record, The Legacy, uh, continuing uh, the sort of like evolution of a band like Metallica. They they put in the stopgap, you know, uh, five ninety nine EP, the Garage Days re revisited, which introduces uh, the world to Cliff Burton's uh, you know replacement, uh, Jason Newstead, and and those and those songs and, and their renditions of them. I think you know extended the the, the shelf lives of bands like Diamond Head. Or budgie, uh, or, or introduce them for the first time. So, and that's that's still a great record to throw on any time.
3: Yeah, Garage Days uh, was my real first intro to Metallica. I I, I love that record.
2: Yeah, it's yeah, good. but. But but but, but as, as John was saying there, I think you, you just have this sort of like you know with the mainstreaming of bands like Aerosmith or White who are kind of coming from an from an older era, you have like all of these uh, these these newer emerging bands that kind of show the the breadth and diversity of metal. Whether it's uh, Halloween with uh, Keeper of the Seven Keys, people regard as sort of like the the you know sort of like the founding stone for uh, for power metal. Um, who else we got here? We got Creator with terrible certainty. Uh, you got uh, the debut of Leather Wolf, another great record. <laughs> Le- uh, leather
1: Wolf is Le- awesome, man. <laughs> leather Wolf,
2: Leather Wolf is also kind of power metal too. Oh, David will try, to, stif- is
1: we'll try great. to
2: stifle his laughter a little bit.
1: Dude, check out Leather Wolf, uh, man. Don't sleep on the Wolf. You <laughs> called the Wolf? You didn't tell
2: me that. Yeah, yeah, we brought in the Leather Wolf. Uh, but, uh, you know, you also have uh, Motorhead <laughs> with Rock and Roll. Great title for an album, right, David? Uh, Motley Crue's Girls, Girls, Girls. I don't know. If we're going to spend more time talking about them. Who knows? But, uh, no, you can't. know, there's, there's, there's you got some Prong. You got some Voivod. You got some Running Wild. Uh, you got uh, Slaughter doing the Strapato. Is this the same Slaughter band? This is not. No, it seems uh, too early. No, that's right. Those, this those is, kids uh, are like our age. Well, didn't didn't
0: Vinnie Vincent Invasion come out in
2: 1987? Yeah, they, they uh, formed. I think You
3: think they formed in 1987. Okay, yeah, I don't so think yeah, they came out in
0: but, uh, <laughs> That
2: that band hadn't kicked Vinnie out yet to become Slaughter. That's right. I, this this band Slaughter is actually a Canadian band that briefly featured Chuck Schuldner for for a little while on guitar. So uh, again, uh, Chuck was busy in 1987, um, and you know other favorites like warlock with their triumph and agony record oh dude that's uh, such a great just a lot of good stuff album twisted sister manages to squeeze out uh, love is for suckers and it's
1: ah.
2: it's clear that, they, that that such a good band had just made like too many miscalculated steps and they basically just called it uh, called it quits there in 87 and that that was it you got dio and dokken uh, bringing out uh, dream, dream evil, evil and back the attack respectively just like it, like Colin started off it's like there's just such a you know a, a, a wealth of, of, of material just to explore and, and, and certainly to, uh, to enjoy within this period. Um, so what, what, are, what are some other highlights we want to kind of uh, focus in on here?
1: Well, I want to talk about girls, girls, girls. If you don't mind, my boys put that out in '87, and yeah, I think uh, we should. That that was a huge record for it, sure. It was, and what was weird about that because that's the tour. I in Pennsylvania, we didn't get the uh, the Poison and some other bands. We got White Snake and Motley Crue in '87 in PA. But uh, when okay. when we got when Girls, Girls, Girls came out, as John just said, it was wild signing and and the title track, great songs. There's a lot of filler on this one, though. You know what's amazing about that, this that's album? Every
0: Motley record.
1: But see, I thought that Theater of Pain. Although the filler was there, I liked that filler better than some of these songs. I didn't really like Dancing on Glass. I didn't really like Bad Boy Boogie. I didn't. I, you don't need Nona. Um, I do like All in the Name of. But it, it's just what's interesting to me is that when this came out, though, the song "Girls, Girls, Girls" was big enough. You really didn't need, quite honestly, much more from this album because that song just went. Uber yeah. Platinum. I, I and, like Wild and, Side and carry too. Them.
0: But oh, I don't, Wild I don't, think, I don't think
3: Wild Side is anything without the drum video.
0: Maybe. I, I mean, right. it, yeah, to, you, to me, you, this you, album's you, dead you. after Girls, Girls, Girls. Those two songs, and then agreed. Uh, but yeah, and, it,
2: it, it, it's but also Dave,
0: interesting. note, right. oh, this is the year that Nikki died from heroin. Yeah.
1: Right. yeah. And yeah, when we uh, saw the concert, I can't speak for California, but when we saw them in PA, they were out of control. I mean, Vince can barely barely sing he was running around, he's out of breath, like you said, John. The, the, the amount of drug usage at the time was yeah. just over <laughs> What's the top. old is new again,
3: Colin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wait till this summer. Dude, exactly. they could
3: not be happier that their tour might get postponed. <laughs> they're like, yeah. oh they
2: not. do we still get they're be, paid, they're wondering. They're be so
3: tired from getting in shape that they won't be able to do this tour. <laughs> but no, yeah. I that wild side video When it starts, and he's doing the cymbal grabs, and you've got the cameras all over the cage, and he starts to turn upside down. Yeah. I I mean, you can't say because this is where we are now. You've experienced it. But I hear that song, and all I think about is the video. And I am going to just throw out there that you take the song away. You take the video away. I don't think that's a song.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a great All, song.
3: Also,
0: name checking Wayne Isham, who directed Girls, Girls, Girls and Wild Side.
3: Needs to go on our bingo yeah. card.
0: Yeah, I mean yeah. Wayne. Wayne during that time was doing every big video, so
3: yeah. Pat yeah. Torpy winds yeah. up on this record. He's What's that? The, Pat Torpy is a, like the a drummer, studio drummer. Yeah, winds up on this record. I don't yeah. know. Oh, he's he's there as a backing vocalist. <laughs> oh, perfect. He's he's the founder of the Nasty Habits.
2: <laughs> yeah, this 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 record for me was kind of, um, I, I guess it was a, a return to form in a ways because it, it showed them in a sort of like a darker light with the whole sort of biker leather sort of glam thing that they were doing. Girls, girls, girls is again like the lead single. Um, definitely had a very popular video there. Again, name checking and featuring all the the strip clubs there uh, that 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 Nikki uh, you know lists in the song. But if, but for me, it was Wild Side, and and David had it right. Like as soon as I saw that video, it's like this is a powerful song. I don't and I I don't think I even had the album before uh, I saw that video. Then I realized I want to check this out. And then it was like basically like, what? They're covering Jailhouse Rock. Yeah, and it, I oh, actually I like live? Dr. Philgood more. Well, that yeah that record, that sure. a, that that Bob Rock record's a little bit more uh, fleshed out, a little bit more developed. Um, and then of course it would be that would be the end for for Motley after that. But again, I, I think as John said, you know the, the records are always a little bit thin always kind of like there's a couple one or two like bangers and then there's just like something for nothing all in the name of
1: all oh, in the name of a good Dead. song though dude that's but fun they, but they
2: could have been done by they could have been done by any band as, as as deep cuts go they could just be like I don't know they just they don't stand out you, you hear it when they come on you maybe don't skip past them but you don't seek them out either. Uh, but uh, definitely again they like they you know they continue to become famous and infamous and rich and and almost you know dead by heroin um you know with with uh, with the help of this record what did it go four times platinum yeah I'm trying to see yeah it did, so thats yeah. that's it not not it's huge not too shabby yep definitely um so yeah definitely motley Crue continues on in this tradition and they and again they're they are they're kind of the kind of the core or the centerpiece for all these sort of L.A. bands. So wh- whenever they do well, everybody else does well too. Um, what else we got here? Do we, we want to go to Hysteria? I we mean, can. It's probably the biggest album,
0: the biggest hard rock album that year.
3: Ah, oh, so not metal. It's so painfully so, so, so not, not metal. Painfully but, not metal.
0: But, yeah, but they were just—they in the mix with metal at the time. And yes, Hysteria became a record that everyone owned. I, I mean, mean, as of as of 2009, it had sold 12 million copies. Just that record.
3: And you would Take think I would own that one of those tree. I
2: mean, you'd be not, wrong.
0: Not necessarily. You don't like Def Leppard. But I mean... I, I, or actually, I take that back. It has sold 25 million copies mm. worldwide. Whatever. As of now. So yeah <laughs> um, No, but I mean, if you Whatever. if you look back, it was released in August of 1987, and that album carried on for a year. There were really seven singles from that record. And yeah.
3: and of looking back think. at 1987 it was, like the band was dying. I, well, it's I released mean, another single.
0: Honestly, 88 was probably a bigger year for Hysteria than 87 was. Just the same way, 87 was a bigger year for Slippery When Wet than 86 was. Because it a
2: bigger year for Appetite, too. It's just
0: a lot slippier.
2: 88 was bigger for Appetite. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But
0: yeah, I mean, the what was the first single from Hysteria? It was Animal, which is not great.
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: I, I mean, Pour Some Sugar On Me was the third single, and that was released in uh, April of 1988. And that, to me, was the big one for I that record. That, and that, is that, is yeah. this the
3: record with the weird cover?
0: It's, a, it's like a triangle with some some faces inside. I can't even tell what it is. Yeah, no it's one like can. It's just a it's symbol. What
2: like yeah, the hell it's is just It's like just, just some sort of creature. Like, yeah. you know, it's... Use your imagination. It's abstract,
3: but uh, and, and,
2: and also I think you know with uh, with uh, the the pour some sugar on me. Also a live video, like the, the kind of like the The key to like a lot of the the band's success was like and and their income was like can we get people out to these big concrete toilets, you know, and plunk down twenty twenty dollars per person, and also get them for a twenty dollar t shirt. Um, so the live videos were like a great vehicle to just kind of capture the band's uh, energy on stage, and then you know make that the event of uh, that people would look forward to the, the most. And yeah, thanks to Wayne Easton. that's uh, he does the Bon Jovi "Slippery When Wet." Uh, no, not the one that yes. you give love a bad yeah. name too. Yeah, um, uh, he also did "Living on a Prayer." Uh, Wayne was everywhere.
0: Uh, these th- this you know six or seven year period, he was he was the go to guy for a lot of these bands, him and Nigel Dick. Nigel did like most of the GNR records or videos and such. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't know. We we have talked about Hysteria a lot. Uh, hysteria, I think, is a good record. I will always choose Pyromania over it.
1: Agreed. Yeah. Mm. Uh,
3: I'd, like to,
1: yeah. I'd like to talk about a surprise.
3: Oh, here we go.
1: is it a danish (laughs) it's not a danish it is it (sighs) is a it is a comet it is freely's comet
0: thank you that that is a surprising and very good record
1: yeah when when crazy nights because let's face it right we get we get kiss every year right we're going
0: crazy nights i i remember playing it a ton it's not
1: that good no one track One track on Crazy Nights. (laughs) And and here's a spoiler alert. It's Crazy Nights. Uh, Asylum is way better. No way. Oh, my God.
0: Asylum is way better than (laughs) Crazy Nights. They're all better. It is.
1: So so I pick up Freely's comment. I'm like, hmm, like the Ace is doing his own thing over here. Oh, my God. What a great release. I just listened to it the other day from front to back. It is so much fun and such a great. It blows Crazy Nights away. I was so shocked when that album. Came out. I listened to it constantly because it's yeah. so good. I agree. And 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 again, I think
2: just to to kind of continue on a, on a theme that I don't think we had in mind here is like here comes another sort of you know uh, a stalwart of the seventies uh, hard rock scene and. Kind of like fitting right into uh, all of these 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 new bands, the LA scene, and whatever MTV is telling you is hard rock or heavy metal. And and Ace goes on tour, and uh, you know it was for for a lot of people, for us when we saw, him it was like like just like seeing a, a living legend. That was uh, the first
0: time we ever got to see Ace. He, he was yeah. Out of that's Kiss right. By the time we were old enough to see Kiss, and absolutely. so absolutely yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that was the first time it, I saw him too.
0: Yeah, and, and, and getting to see him play Cold Gin and some of the songs he wrote was
2: fucking great. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and doing uh, uh, New York Groove as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, and he had and he had a great band there too for a while. They they did you know Ace would come out and he'd have like a couple good songs on the on these records, and then there'd just be like a lot. At least they had like another singer songwriter in the band. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. There is it, uh, it Todd <laughs>
3: Todd Howarth. Yeah, probably yeah. He's right. The, no, John Regan's uh, the bassist. Uh, Todd is oh, okay. the other guitar player. Oh, he sang. Uh, he sang "Breakout," the one that starts with all the cartoon sound effects. Yeah, The Fred Flintstone feet. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah, so there's there's definitely other songs on there to kind of help flesh it out, and it's you know that it, it actually helped kind of correct a lot of people's mispronunciation of, uh, of Ace's name there for a while, where it's just been always freely, freely, and it's like. Uh, Haley's comet rhymes with Freyley's comet. Like, oh, so Ace Freely, right? <laughs> yeah, so, it's Ace Freely. Yeah, like that, that, yeah. That's, that's, that's the that's the title of the band. But the that's title your the,
3: that's, that's that your title. that's your that's your tidbit for this this section of the episode. Yeah, it's out it right there,
0: and he had he had David Letterman's drummer at least for the Anton, first time. And Tom Fig,
1: baby, yeah, yep. and great, we he is great.
2: Him. And 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 Ace continues to rock Soldier on, and puts out records every three four years or so
3: because he needs yeah. the
2: money. No, Ace Ace um, is
3: good. And, Ace is good. This this record is um, I lo- I love this record. I I couldn't wait for this record to come out. I bought it the day it came out. I love Ace. Yeah. Um, I love this band. I love the fact that uh, Tommy Thayer sings backup on uh, We Got Your Rock.
2: Oh, right, nice! Right
3: here. He's always going to be backup. His <laughs> <laughs> little, little backup.
2: Well, even be well before he became Ace uh, in you
3: could just, uh,
2: imitation. Tommy, could you just be with Ace
3: while I'm playing? Could you uh, hold my balls? <laughs> wow!
2: Wow! wow. Holded Ace's balls. Okay, good one. <laughs> uh. We got any other surprise records we want to kind of uh, mention here that
1: were... Surprise uh, records. Hmm. I really liked Animal House by Udo. He left except and I really thought Animal House had some strong tracks on it. I enjoyed that quite a bit. That was okay. the year
0: he left, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Mike, so I I Mike talk, about the,
0: uh, talk about the Keeper of the Seven Keys. That's a record that Ooh. we haven't talked a lot about on the podcast, and it's super good.
2: Yeah, again, it was, uh, thanks again to MTV, because you never would have saw or heard a song like Halloween by the band Halloween, keep them straight, uh, you know, with, with, without MTV's sort of assistance. But, you know, if you caught that video, uh, and they have like a long version, too. I think on the record, the song is like 13 minutes.
3: Almost uh, long enough album, for hard to like it.
2: <laughs> I just missed and, yeah. the, and the and the whole album is like 36 minutes long but uh it's uh you know it has like all that sort of like complicated sort of song structure and kind of epic vibe and energy that that power metal is is renowned for but uh you know when you when you got that record it's like this is some this is something a little bit different um, it did you know again because it wasn't singing about LA rocks and it's not singing about girls 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 or singing about knows what the fuck they're singing about uh but it's it's all kind of in the the miasm of the the power metal thing where everything is you know it's kind of like listening to uh another record man of wars uh what came out that year what came out this year in 87 uh, no fight in the world was before that right fight the world i think it's fight the world oh yeah no this year is yeah this is fight in the world okay So it's just kind of like it's yeah, it's just, it's like, about right. the... You know, and, and, and the, the song Halloween is what, what, what drove, drove me into that record. And, like, the, the really sort of, like, weird, kind of do album cover with, like, a... I don't know. Is there, like, somebody wearing a monk's cowl? It's like a,
3: a monk's thing was, handing a key to a yeah. skeleton or some crap. I I, yeah.
2: I always uh, sort
0: of compared them to Iron Maiden. I mean, granted, yeah. uh, like David said, with, with the song length, uh... I think that's probably a mantle that they would happily agree with. Um, I, good band. I, they're still around. They're still, you know, they're still. They're uh,
3: super weird now. Are like they boat, like I, I, haven't, I,
0: you know, I did, uh, they, I they tour to with both singers.
3: Years, they tour with both singers. All three, if you count the guitar player Kai Hansen. So yeah. it's it's a little peculiar. I loved this record when it came out i was listening to this record every day all day i learned all the songs on guitar and a guy i know was like dude if you want to be heavy you got to check out death and i went and i picked up leprosy and uh bloody gore so it must have been like summer of 88 um, but i was already listening to halloween and they're just so good and they hit, you know, if you, if you grew up, I grew up not, not like a snob or anything, but like I grew up listening to classical music. So they hit like all the little like German motifs within their songs. And there's like some, a uh, little bit of a uh, ride of the Valkyries going on within some of the songs, little allusions to, to classical music, but you know, great guitar playing. If you like me are kind of like, I like this, so I'm going to now go buy all the records, their first record, Walls of Jericho, where the guitar player sings, also good, not as good.
2: Yeah. I think everybody it, does that right where you get like you get into a band and it's like, let me go back to the record before this. Like if you if you were into Pride by White Lion and you went back to the previous one, go like, ah oh, man, I got fucked. You know, yeah <laughs> so like the, the like the like the walls of Jericho if you're expecting to hear like the same sort of like Soaring, powerful vocals and the interesting songwriting. Now nah, it's a it's a different band. It's like yeah, going from
3: Montiano yeah. song Iron Maiden
2: to Bruce Dickinson Iron Maiden. If Maid. you're
3: into metal, you know, like if you're a little more open, like Colin is, you probably take yeah, yeah. that first record. <laughs> I do not dig that. I mean, I like it. I like it. But I don't love it. And I love what I did, Keeper
2: of the Seven Keys. What what I found to be misleading about the whole band was and the and the, the, the keeper of the seven keys part one is that you only got part two. Where I thought there was like seven fucking now. keys. So but did they complete it? Is it like I don't get I didn't it? Get,
3: I didn't get the impression there were seven parts, just seven keys.
0: No. They did they did put out another keeper of the seven keys in two thousand five.
3: Yeah, huh. they put out like two of them. I think uh, the legacy. Yeah, that's I think that's three,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So is the there four?
3: Like, they got that like, they got that like, extra out, outro or whatever, where it's like, the guy's whispering, and it's all kind of like moody, <laughs> and it's about the he's key. Like, Take the side. Or some crap like that. And you're yeah. like, what? And then. <laughs> Dio
1: like, it probably it's fucking this, love that.
3: They get away with a lot, man. Like, for me, I liked them enough that by the time I realized they were like singing about weird crap, I don't <laughs> like them. So, yeah. you,
2: they, already over, got, they already got you hooked on the music. They got yeah, you hooked it's on like. The music. Unfortunately, you don't know the lyrics. And then, then you wonder, it's like, is this stuff
3: really deep? Or I'll am I just stupid? I'll tell you where I think they're down. <laughs> the downside, is wow. we just
2: too dumb to get that this, or is it
3: just dumb? <laughs> right? The downside is they try to be funny.
1: <gasps> they have a very yeah, I- dry sense of humor for a lot of what they
3: write. Yeah, but they like... They put, like, the pumpkin head on stuff. Uh Yeah. And, like, in the video, I just shared the video, like, that 1987 Halloween video, Hell on Wheels, where it's, like, them, Armored Saint, and somebody else, Grim Reaper made
2: Oh, yeah, with Grim Reaper, for sure.
3: The tale that wasn't right, which is a killer metal ballad. It is a really freaking good metal ballad. And he's got the inflatable skeleton, and he is singing to it. Yes. And I'm, like, dude. Yeah. No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's no, not. stop it's,
2: it. And he is You think it just, takes away from the not seriousness of the song?
3: I hate the fact that uh, they just like they are. There, there's all kinds of probably psychological reasons you do that kind of crap. But it's like, look, man, just it's a good song. Don't f it up with
2: <laughs> your silly
3: little jokes because you're an insecure. No, loser.
2: No. Some oh, oh, fucking man. props, please. <laughs>
3: it's like go to that. It, you watch that video. It's great. And then in the middle of this song, which has got like solos and great lyrics and great singing, and then he's like got a freaking inflatable skeleton on stage, with him. <laughs> and it's nodding its head. Oh, like, yeah. All right. And it's like brum, brum, brum. I'm like, oh man, get this guy a hand puppet and send him off. It seems
2: like something that King Diamond would rip off.
3: He probably has.
2: Other surprise uh, hits the, uh, from the '87 vault that people should maybe go back and listen to.
3: We've already talked about Zodiac Mind Warp, so I won't. Uh...
1: There, there you go. I'm going to steal John's reference to Keel on here. Yeah. Keel was a Keel was a fun discovery. Yeah, the first Keel record
0: came out in '87. That's a good album. Oh yeah, this, I
1: said the right wrong thing to the right girl, and that's that's some great songs on there. Yeah,
2: this is this is actually not King the, of the first rock? Keel record. The first
1: is that, record is that right? Was, the
2: first Keel record was uh, uh the uh, right to rock. Uh, the right to rock was the one that was produced by Gene Simmons. They had oh, lay down, Laid down, the, down law the law before yeah. that, and, and then they had the final frontier that kind of followed after the right to rock. So this is their. I guess you would say like it's their third major release, yeah, the and, fourth record. But uh, but it's but it's just a self-titled one named after Ron Keel, the lead singer. Yeah, and it, it, it Keel was a band that uh, they put out some really catchy songs, uh, some some really good stuff, particularly on on this record here. Like Cherry Lane is a great song. Calm before the storm is really good. So they they were capable of putting together. Really good tracks, but I guess you know they were they were just another another band that was floating around L.A. and you know they they, they got some MTV action going on. They were produced by Gene Simmons, so he must have saw some value in exploiting them. Uh, and uh, we 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 saw so we go back and we talk about seeing Ace Freely. Who did Ace open up for? When we uh, saw Y and T. Yes, we saw yeah. when we saw Keel at Laguna Seca. Who did uh, Keel open up for? Y and T. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It all goes back to Y and T. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and and for the life of me, I don't remember who else was on that bill. It was Y and T and ah. Keel. I remember because yeah, I walked it. In- that's when we need Chuck. We got we got I got we got we first got there and I got out of Chuck's Chuckmobile and I went to the restroom. And lo and behold, like Ron Keel is in there, like brushing his
3: his his <laughs> yellow
2: fang teeth, <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, you're Ron Keel. What's going on?" Did like, he turn
3: oh, you I'm into a vampire? No,
2: <laughs> just uh, just just waking up and brushing his teeth. The show is still like I don't know, like three or four hours away, we, because I I don't know. We hadn't seen too many shows at Laguna Seca, but. Uh, it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a nice uh, day out in the sun with some, yeah. uh, some heavy
0: metal. And actually, that Keel record and a, and a couple of the other ones, Rock Candy Records, uh, reissued last year. If uh, our listeners aren't familiar with Rock Candy Records, they have been buying a lot of the rights to older out-of-print metal records and remastering them adding some live tracks b-sides if they're around and putting out really nice releases for a lot of 80s
2: metal
1: yeah, yeah. they are
2: yeah 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 the the, the one uh oh they've got they've favorite, got a good uh, version of pride as well the one uh, Yep. cool and i was i was gonna mention that uh, this 87 was the year that uh Armored Saint released "Raising Fear," uh, their their third major release, and just like a just a classic, solid record. John Bush and the guys just like laying it down, Um, and uh, that that a lot of their back catalog too is available on Rock Candy. If you're not able to find it, so um, thank you, Rock Candy. Yeah, they release stuff on. Are they releasing stuff on vinyl or just just CDs? I think just CD.
0: Okay. yeah i i would imagine the uh the runs are fairly small and the demand is fairly small and vinyl is expensive so yeah yeah uh i i've got a yeah. few of their cds they've uh they did all of dawkins catalog not too far back as well
2: you hear that david you I could totally get that. the whole you could get all, all of the Dawkins catalog from rock and roll rock candy that's right no, yeah no yeah. how about with what, we didn't even talk about Back for the Attack. Really, like, kind of like the last album. I was just
3: going to actually Dawkins. ask if we could stop talking about Ron Keel.
2: <laughs> yeah, we oh, can. Oh, we have. Let's talk about Don Dokken. <laughs> I'm so okay, different. you asked for it, David. <laughs> Out of the fire and into the frying pan.
3: I mean,
0: this is the last Dokken studio record to feature the full original lineup, right?
2: Yeah, it totally is. Okay. Um, and, it's, and it's a pretty solid, longish kind of record. I remember it being like maybe 14 tracks or so on it.
0: Uh, 13,
2: yeah. 13 tracks, okay. Yeah. Uh, standout tracks, of course, have to include uh, Dream Warriors, which was the single that was released for the third Friday the 13th, excuse me, Nightmare on Elm Street film. But that that appears tacked on at the end. He's tired,
3: ladies and gentlemen. He's tired.
2: Wherever it is, it's yes. I think it's seven in the morning in uh, in Cape Town now. So that's where my brain is. But uh, you know, they released. uh, I'm trying to think. Burning like a flame was a single. Kind of lame.
0: Kiss kiss of
2: death was a single, wasn't it? Kiss of death.
1: I'm I'm just. Dream Warriors, heaven video. sent,
0: burning like a flame, and so many tears.
1: Night by Night's a great tune.
0: Night by
2: night is great.
0: It's a pretty good record. Uh, George Lynch plays really well on this record. I think it. it yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of showy guitar
2: stuff on this album. Definitely with uh, with the kiss of death, that just blisters, and then they have like the the real crusher of a of a. Instrumental piece there, Mister Scary, which is. Uh, do you George listen to Lynch that?
3: You think, just kicked Don Dawkins' ass. Uh, uh, yeah, you
0: know, I think he did, and and then there was no more Dawkins.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, well,
3: fair play to him then. All right. <laughs> yeah. You know,
2: poor George Lynch. He like tried out for Ozzy twice and never got the gig. He,
3: he listen. I mean, I'll tell you the reason I don't know jack about george lynch is for two reasons one is that he was in docking and two is because of the stupid mr scary title
0: yeah and i take i take that back uh dysfunctional in 1995 still has the same
2: lineup yeah but but, but that was there too but that was like coming back and trying to like you know going from 87 to 95 i think as we talked about in the last episode that's like i
0: I now take that back again the next album shadow life (laughs) still has the same lineup uh I, I the world kept spinning just without us uh, <laughs> really? uh yeah I, I, erase the slate was the first album that didn't feature george lynch so uh lynch was there until 97 just no one
1: cared yeah yeah there, there were no singles there were no <laughs> videos
2: <laughs> oh,
3: i still care <laughs> god bless you colin Bosler.
2: And, and, and goddamn the coronavirus that is gonna deny the world the Dawkins and Lynch mob uh tour. I, I don't know. You, you know,
0: oh, George oh, played God. with Don last week and it was fucking bad. Yeah, that that was uh, not
1: good, dude. I watched really, that video and it made me really
0: cringe. Bad. Yeah. Uh that might be for who, the
2: best.
3: Thanks, who, coronavirus.
2: Who, who? <laughs> 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 I did I didn't see that, but I suspect
0: it was Is it Dockin too soon
3: to start cool. talking about good things about this? <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's a, yeah, there's For there's sure. there's your bright side, folks. Uh yeah. what else? Well, what are we what are we missing here? Oh, David had I the, got
3: so many records I was listening to. I The, can the Plow Faster Pussycat them.
0: record actually. Dude,
3: Faster Pussycat. I was listening to this cuz the guy who played bass in my band, who's now down in Tampa, Florida, was really really into Faster Pussycat and we used to cover uh is Babylon on this record? Yep. It totally we used to is. cover Babylon and Dude, they're a fun band. They're good. They're bluesy. Like they, I think they waited till their second record or the third record to play up how bluesy they were. Um, which I like when somebody will be in. I'll somebody will play a band for me. I'll be like, oh, okay, they're cool. And as soon as they're like, they're really bluesy. I'm like, ah,
0: <laughs> I mean, because well, they're, they're, the like, second record had the ballad, the big waiting, ballad too.
3: So. Oh, uh, what was that? House um,
1: of House, House of Pain. Pain. Which
3: is not a bad song. No, um, fine. which one did they, was it their third record had you're so vain on it or something? Uh, every yeah, time I hear that, that was, I'm like, you guys are playing the wrong chords.
0: That might be the second record
3: too. They're, they're playing the wrong chords on those record on that song. Um, but they're good and they're fun. Like they hit, they kind of check all the boxes for a good, fun band. And that record was in heavy rotation because the people I was friends with were playing it. But you know, good for them. They kind of did their thing, and then I think by the time they hit the the third record, I think they were done.
0: <laughs> yeah, th- that first record's good. It's got bathroom wall on it, which yeah. was oh, you a know what? It's I think it might have been bathroom
3: wall. We played not Babylon. Yeah. Bathroom oh, wall but...
0: was like the single. That was the the one that was on the MTV.
3: Hold on, let me listen uh, to. this. Uh, b- b-
2: Babylon again to kind of. Uh, go back to the I am the man was like, their sort of like rap rock metal thing where it was delivered as a kind of a beastie boyish kind of yeah. juvenile it's rap about
0: sort of like cartoon voice in the song. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah
3: it was battle on. We did not, not that other one. It, no, yeah, bathroom that, walk. that,
2: which did you do? Did you do the rap rock one? That whack ass Babylon song. L
3: <laughs> <In> A LA <laughs> is so much fun. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah.
3: We also it, did like for the hey, right party. All right, so get off my back.
2: They also did that. Well, you know, well so those are two songs that are very much uh, akin with one another. So it doesn't surprise me one bit. But uh, yeah, we kind of love got a good hey. sound.
0: It's got that twangy bass, like it's. <laughs> Yeah. Well made.
2: We're, yeah, we kind of love, hated uh, Faster Pussycat because we saw them as kind like of like fake poser version of Guns N' and, and, and <laughs> Yeah. And we saw them as kind of like a cheesy knockoff of Guns N' Roses, and they probably wouldn't have been signed if it wasn't for Guns N' Roses. So it's just kind of like, you know, all right. The more, the merrier, and then you, you know, you you buy that record expecting it to sound like Appetite. You're like, oh, yeah. No, the guy who produced not... this
0: record also produced "Look What the Cat Dragged In."
2: Okay, fair enough. So, sounds like wow, it it's definitely got something working for him there. But uh, well, do we want to talk any more about uh, you know all the other? Bands that are kind of coming out of the, the kind of like the hardcore crossover scene, Dri, uh, or some more of the death and thrash metal, the Death Angel. Who else we got here? The band oh, I Death slept itself. On
3: that. I slept on that Death Angel record. I went back and picked that up. It's super good. Same guy who was into Faster Pussycat was into Death Angel, and I missed it completely. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, well, you know, like but, the second record came out, and "Bored" was the hit, and I was like, eh. Like yeah. the stuff, the stuff everybody thought was cool about it, I thought was not cool about it. Here I am, like forty-seven years old. I am go back and listen to Act Three, and I'm like, man, this is great. Yeah. I had it on cassette and I never listened to it. Wow. Wow. wow.
2: Well, that's something you could you could miss things. Sometimes I mentioned
3: that on Twitter I, and they and they liked it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's they? <laughs> the Death Twitter Angel people. The, oh. <laughs> oh, the Death Angel people. Oh,
2: oh, Death Angel Great. Uh, well, they're, they're they're glad that 47 years later, you were able to like, or not 47, yeah, not 47 years later. 47
3: years later, it was yeah. like 37 years <laughs> Thanks, Death Angel. Bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm going to finish out my later. list so I can
3: stop thinking, all right? Ugh. All right. I was Bathory on the Side of the Black Mark, which nobody listens to. We've talked about it before. Carnival Retaliation, which we've listened to and talked about before. Rollins Band, Lifetime, great record, probably their best record. Uh St. Vitus Thirsty and Miserable. Uh they they just sound like a like a uh a Black Sabbath cover band, one of the original kind of uh stone metal bands. They're great. And Voivod Killing Technology, my buddy Stymie was really into that, and uh it's good. It's really it's not produced well, but you could hear what was there. But I'll land on Joe Satriani's second record, surfing with the alien. Remember when all those guitar records were coming out, and they were trying to make instrumentals yeah, it was, cool? It was like him and Tony McAlpine, and, and all the else? Relativity Records guys, yeah. Greg Howe, and Steve Vai was kind of already in bands and gone by then. But it's Eddie like is another Eric one. Eric Moore, Martin. Chris Impellitteri no, like uh, had a record Eric out Martin. this year with the singer from Alcatraz, Graham, Graham Bonnet.
0: Bonnet. Yeah, Eric Johnson.
3: Eric Johnson, that whole yeah. crowd, but like they put they, there was a video out from this record called yeah. Satch Boogie. Yeah, re- was, I remember. I oh, the it Silver Surfer on the cover. Good. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> people saw that record, they're like, why the hell's the Silver Surfer on the cover of your record, dude? Like, I feel like they missed. You could not have missed the ball worse than signing this guy to a to a record deal and put money into a video. And then, like, ten years later, all his hair falls out. <laughs> <laughs> and he's bald. And he's got, like, his own guitar that's, like, $3,000. And nobody knows who he is, except for the fact that he used to give lessons to Kirk Hammond. Yeah. But... but this record is good
2: though at us. the time? No. <laughs> I know who you are, Satriani. Is Isn't he a chicken foot now? With the, I guess I don't know if a chicken foot is like an ongoing oh, thing. see, no, it, it was two albums. That's
3: okay. Alan's like, I, I got you because you played with my boy.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Come
2: on. Uh, so was surfing the alien record any good surfing with the aliens surfing on aliens i don't know what. like you know how you go
3: back and you listen to that first steve i record the flexible like the post frank zappa record and it is for when he played with frank zappa he was known as the stunt guitarist and he puts out his first record and it's very (laughs) zappa-esque but it is literally gymnastics the Joe Satriani stuff is just him. Sounds like he's like playing along to the radio, <laughs> and it's not anything super fast or crazy. No, like big like jaw dropping runs. You're just like, this is just a dude playing songs.
2: Yeah, with no a hey. well, actually, no no lyrics, no vocalist. <laughs> it's just like, hey, I could play guitar really good. <laughs> you play guitar. I got I got it's ten like tracks.
3: Fifth grade, and you play recorder. You play like when the yeah. Saints go watching into like the backing track, and you're like, "That's really Three good."
2: Three blind vice <laughs> Jesus, yeah. it's like I wanted you to want, be so
1: to hear good. I about Mary had a little lamb. I got I know uh, that one too. Just sorry, it. Joe. Stop Joe, we're, I'd like to apologize, Joe, on behalf of all of us.
2: <laughs> no, don't take it back. We, we love you. Don't take it back. I. I, I'm indifferent to the whole thing. Uh, it doesn't it the sound band. that
1: way. <laughs>
2: well, it's just... I don't know. I didn't
1: make the record, on so... On Satch, Boogie. Satch
2: Boogie. Yeah, Put on Satch Stop. Stop. That's
1: great. Stop. Surfing with uh, the Alien? The mystical potato head groove thing? What? No. Mystical potato no head groove thing.
3: Thing. The, the Silver Surfer is no longer on the cover of this record, by the way.
0: is that uh, some, Why is uh, that? Did the Marvel license run yeah. out or something? Yeah. I do huh? Disney was like, fuck that. This album's not that good. Sorry, Joe.
2: (laughs) Yeah, This
3: record sucks.
2: What if they were to use it in the movie? Wouldn't that be awesome? I'd rather listen to Loudness's Hurricane Eyes. (laughs) All right. Or how about Kane Roberts? Kane Roberts releases his own guitar jam record. Yeah. Yeah. Were they
3: still dressing like Rambo then? Problem. Uh, sure I hope so. It's there's here. there's a video there's a video where Steve Vai and Frank Zappa are on stage together, and Steve I tries to show them up a little bit, and then Zappa runs circles around him. Right? It's like a really well known video. There is also a video where Steve Vai and Joe Satriani are on stage, and Steve Vai tries to show him up a little bit, and Joe Satriani just plays Mary had a little lamb on recorder.
2: <laughs> nothing wrong with that it's a cloud crowd pleaser <laughs> Um, known as the baroque kazoo the baroque kazoo nice well, there's some other bands on here that I know I have this I have cassettes for like bonfire but I'm gonna have to say it's probably been since 1987 since I took a listen to that same goes with autographs loud and clear yeah, I was probably the biggest autograph fan but, uh, I think by that point I was like, I'm just buying stuff just to say that I have it, and I'm never going to listen to it. I'll have to go back and listen to it. I think I have the vinyl too. Man, but, this, uh, how about, uh, how about The Cult? The Cult with Electric comes out that year. Yeah, that's a good album. The um, Fire Now No, that, that, that comes later. The, the Sonic Temple comes uh,
1: Sonic. in,
2: I want to say 88, but, uh, they release electric and that uh, that has some good songs on it too including a cover of born to be wild because people won't even know that you can write songs unless you cover somebody else's song i guess what about uh what about mammoth i don't remember mammoth at all uh. Uh. no uh great whites once bitten came
0: out that year <laughs> <laughs> it's a okay. good album
2: did david's cackle there to lead that off
0: i love so I like that i think love... it was
3: that guy's haircut
2: it's
0: a good album and
2: rush hold your fire came out that year another great record that i love and I, again uh just probably for both those records are just at the right time because it would have been hard to get into to either of them like four or five years later but uh i love every track on both of those records yeah. Once what's bitten is great um <laughs> And they at least they were able to kind of follow that up with uh, the the once bitten twice shy record where they, you know, again with a cover song, uh, made made lots of money. What what was on that Rush record that stood out? That's with the time that, stand still with a, with Amy yes. Mann. Is Big Money on that record? No, uh, Big, Big Money on is Power on. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: time stand still was the single and prime mover. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's still a great record. Yeah. It's
0: not one of their bigger
2: records, but. They had a
3: record. They had a song called Prime Mover. Prime
2: Mover, yes, totally. The same year
3: that Zodiac Mind Warp put out Primal Mover. Just saying.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that Rush probably ripped off Zodiac Mind Warp. Totally. Totally.
3: Totally just, ripped them
2: off. It, it, it's how the, it's their whole career is based off of ripping off bands that no one has heard of. Yeah,
3: it's, I mean seriously, it's, clearly.
2: Ooh. How about Tiger Tales? You guys, remember Tiger Tales? I remember the name. I couldn't name a song. Well, if you look at the album cover, you get an idea of what these Welsh rockers are like. They're basically it Wales' answer e- to Y Y G E R
3: T A I L Z with a Z. Yep. It's got oh to yeah, f- Spell- they
2: look just like poison. Spell checker is not going to catch that at all. <laughs> but uh, but uh, this this record is actually because I just I just ran into it like probably within the last year, and uh, on on the YouTube it's like this is this is not this is not horrible. This is and, and again you look at the guys' names and it's just kind of like oh. With vocals by Stevie James, and it's like S-T-E-E-V-I-J-A-I-M-Z. That's great. Jay Pepper on fortunate. guitar, Pepsi Tate on bass, and wow. Ace Fincham on drums. For reals. Uh, but uh, very much worth the listen. Uh, if you just want to hear like what other people are trying to do to try to sound like Poison at that time. Uh, successfully... Others uh, not so successfully, but uh, they put out a few records. They're uh, not the worst thing you can listen to.
3: How about Dude, Tough you know Luck? What, I you think? know what came out this year? Um, that Grateful Dead record. Oh, that
2: right with the Shades of Gray. In touch a gray, touch a gray. Right? I'm thinking yeah. of the sing. I'm thinking of the single there. Touch a gray, touch a yeah, gray. Yeah. 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 The album's In the Dark, I believe.
3: Yeah. Weird, man. So weird. Think, Eighty-seven that was like, messed up.
2: That was yeah. <laughs> so again. That b- this besides, a There besides, wasn't like besides, you know, a virus. the virus. Yeah, besides the Bruce Willis album, there's also hey, know, hey hey hey. This was like like the biggest hit that Grateful Dead ever had. Uh, to hell in a bucket
1: better on that album, though. Just FYI.
2: Uh, to hell in a bucket on the on the great. Dead record. You should also give somebody like this is an album you should go listen to if you want to get a taste of 1987. So I'm going to tell people oh, go each and listen of us? to yeah go all right to, just as redemptions. Like okay, we sorry we mentioned Bruce Willis. We talked over it too much. Yeah, that was
3: my record.
2: Go, <laughs> go, go get yourself a copy or listen to uh, your your streaming service and, and listen to Testaments The Legacy. You will be thank, thankful That's a good that you choice. did.
1: That's good. Yeah, Colin. Y contagious. Said it before. Say it again. L.A. Rocks. L.A. Rocks. Moves, Moves nonstop. You know. Girls on
2: chalk. I don't know. It's just rhymes. <laughs> David, what do you got for the for the listeners?
3: If you wanna if you wanna really get a taste of '87 right in your mouth, uh, I think you should go listen to Rollins' band Lifetime. Cool. All right. You'd probably get it on YouTube and not anywhere else, to be honest. Fair enough.
0: John, what you got for us? I'm going to say Among the Living. I, I think out of that time, everyone knows Appetite for Destruction, but if you don't know Among the Living well, go get it, because it's likely Anthrax's best record and uh, a huge record from this year.
2: Perfect. Perfect.
0: All right. Thank you again for listening to Middle Aged Metalheads for Colin Bosler, David Timoney, Michael Stamps, and myself, John Harden. We appreciate you listening. Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.
1: Woo! <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, we've had a great time tonight in the Headbangers Ball, but it's time to say goodbye. But you got to be looking for our new video, Rock Soldiers. They'll be coming out on MTV in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and watch what's on the road. We're going to leave you now with this one from Twisted Sister. Woo, my buddies!
2: <laughs>
0: Here they come, concert information. Yes, it's a heavy metal triple bill. It's Ace Frehley, Y&T, and Guns N' Roses. And I'm
3: going to be showing you the latest Y&T video in a few minutes, so don't go Nowhere, check it out, it's called Contagious.